inside his own. You can fight it. There's the bounce, Somerville, and there's the siren. Victory for the Bombers. But in the end, you'll fail. Kevin Sheedy joins Dick Reynolds as the most successful club in over 100 years at this famous club. The red and black runs through you. and rich in history that no club can match. Looking for a mark here. We have clubs in the AFL, the VFL, the VFLW and the brand new Wheelchair Football League. Four clubs, one goal. Join Liam and Andrew for your weekly Essendon fix. Reviews, previews of all four clubs right here on the Flying Up podcast. The other teams, they don't fear. They all try their best, but they can't get near as the bombers fly on. Hello, take two. You're listening to the Flying Up podcast here uh, with Jeff and Andrew. This is the second time we did it. We pretty much did half the episode then and then realised it wasn't recording. Well, that's a half now gone down a tube. Yeah, yeah. I did, wasn't going to do anything interesting with that half hour anyway. That that cure for cancer I'm working on, will fi- well, I'm sure it'll fix no, no, itself. We'll get, it, we'll get it later. We'll get it later. Exactly, yes. Yeah. I just, you know, I just mentioned, you know, all the celebrities I'm going to try to uh, go after and uh, assault. But, yeah. you know, we didn't need to hear that part. Is that, well, now you mentioned it again, so that's fine. We, could, we can edit it. Oh, no, I've got that bit. We've got no, num- we've got no yeah. names. That's on the police recorder. <laughs> we'll ask them for it. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's all right. We can, we can have a look again. We're just reviewing which movie this is. Yes. This is the Flying Up podcast, which looks at uh, SNN, all things SNN, AFL, VFL. Uh, a VFLW, everything, all the leagues, yeah. everything to do with this club. It's history, it's it's whatnot. And this week you're joined by Jeff and Andrew. Liam is up in Townsville, yeah. bragging. Yeah, living a good life in Townsville, living a luxurious life. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Because yeah. it doesn't get better than Townsville. I want to ask you a question, Andrew. If you could either go to uh, Disneyland in Paris, go. Yeah. Or go to Townsville. What would you choose? Oh, Townsville, I hands know. down. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. Well, you I mean, what? they've got a gas station. <laughs> Brands back in you, gas station. Hey, you can go. Yeah, hey, look how good Townsville is, right? You can go to Townsville, fill your car up with petrol or gas where you would need, and get a candy bar as well. They've, <laughs> they've got a, they've got a full on store in there. You can buy your refreshments or you know your your, your treats, anything you want in that in yeah. the gas station. That beautiful that, open food smell. That's that's how into the future they are, mate. They can buy the gas station. We get this a store, yeah, so. and that still blows my mind. So if you want to, man, get to Townsville as soon as you can and go check that shit out. You can see flavors from all over the world. You yeah. can taste uh, France in the form of Smith's Smith's yeah. uh, French fries. You, you can go to. Old, if you want a three day old meat pie, you can go to Townsville. Yeah, so, so. It's aged. <laughs> yeah, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things to do. You can go to the Steel Chainsaw uh, Museum. Yeah. You can go to the uh, Wreck of the Pearl Ship. I heard they put that footpath in so you can drive on a road. <laughs> so it's a Terrific stuff. 95% graded. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you can go to the... Uh, who's that famous... Wasn't there like a famous batsman or cricketer? From, from, you can go and see his house. <laughs> <laughs> so Townsville. Come to Townsville. You can see where Steve Waugh parked his car that one time so they can go into the shops. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on one of the streets. I can't remember which one. You just drive around long 
don't know if you can find the sign. You can see the house that Frank Sinatra once looked out of from a plane window on his way to Sydney. So go to Townsville. Leave if you're listening and have a good time up there. Yeah. It was 12 degrees here in Melbourne. Yeah, we don't miss you, buddy. No. <laughs> so we, go to hell. <laughs> so we hope that Queensland does become independent while you're up there and you can't get back and to look, Australia. And look, you know, look, Liam, I know how much this show means to you, mate, and, you know, I'm going to live, I'm going to do everything that you do here. I'm going to I'm going to state useless historic facts <laughs> at every second of the show. And then... In occasion of no, Andrew, Essendon won 14 grand finals because two of them they didn't play in the grand final because they were on top of the ladder or some shit in 18... Fuck, no one is even, even alive from that era. Yeah. But Liam knows it. Why? Because he is the godfather of this show. <laughs> so yeah. God bless Liam McGrady and God bless Useless Facts. And because he could... And God bless Townsville. Because he can... Yeah, right, exactly. He'll, he'll tell us... Uh, I don't what, think God's watching Townsville. <laughs> so, Townsville, so the place where God forgot. Get away with all sorts <laughs> of sins. Um, the thing, uh, the thing, the other thing about th- that useless fact, I'll be playing the role of where I'll ask you a question like, for example, Jeff, who won in round 12, 1936? Oh, who gives a shit? Exactly. Well, uh, uh, it, it was actually... It was Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne University. This <laughs> yeah. is Fitzroy Lion. Can't believe you didn't know that. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, Do you even own a computer where you can look up Wikipedia? I thought you were fun. the biggest assistant, yeah. Um... <laughs> But, uh, so, yeah, and Liam, thank you for listening. If you are listening, uh, just one quick question. How do you press record? Um, <laughs> what did you make of this week's match? We better get back to it. So this is Flying Up Podcast, talking about all things Essendon. What did you make of the Essendon? You don't need to, you, we don't need to tell you what happened. It's Richmond, pre- reigning premiers, playing Essendon, reigning wooden spooners. You know what happened. Oh, oh no, no, that was, uh, that was a bit hyperbole. Uh, reigning 14th position on the ladder, I think. Yeah, no, no, we, we made, <clears throat> what was it, 8th? No, 7th, we were 7th on the ladder. That's right, we were in finals, weren't we? Yeah. Gee, what a fast I was, too. Okay. <laughs> Incredible no. how far we've come, isn't it? What is the reason why it was such a shellacking? Again, down to it was more, it was in the end, that match uh, was 6 7 43 for Essendon, plays 17 12 114, mm. a lead of 71 points. Okay. Let's start from the beginning here. Uh, if you look at that score line, six, seven, forty-three, six goals in a complete match is, you know, it's not good enough. In no. Books. Six goals is what you get in, in the first three quarters, or not even first three quarters, in the first half. Yeah. That's what you get. Now, what we've witnessed on the weekend, Andrew, is a very young and I don't want to say too young, but they were, they were very green to the Richmond pressure. I don't think they were they were well prepared in that game. The Bombers mm. were. If you watch the, the Richmond midfield pressure, was unbelievable, and they forced Essendon to run backwards into their back half while they had three players guard the um, midfield area mm. uh, forcing us to just chip around to each other in the back half and that, in my opinion the Richmond pressure is what kind of got to the Bombers in the end mm. I, th- I completely agree They the Richmond's pre- pressure this year is completely unparalleled I don't think there's a team in the league that can really overcome their pressure there are teams that can beat them but they sort of beat them on the back foot they're kind of defensive whenever you play Richmond this year you seem to be in the defensive um, they, the, I think part of the trouble is, like you say, they just couldn't get it out of the forward, out of Richmond's fifty. They couldn't get it out of their defensive fifty. Mm. When the ball did eventually get down to their fifty, there was no one there. No, and, and that's once again due to Richmond pressure because too much pressure. You, the first thing that goes through your mind is we need to give our team out to hand. Now, if you got all sixty players running out of their forward fifty into the back line, now when you want to go forward, that's going to stump your run. Yeah, and then Richmond's going to organise organise themselves defensively. Yeah. to uh, prevent you from scoring a goal. Now, 
you know, we saw that many times in that game against the Bombers when, you know, they didn't know quite what to do after a while. So then, you know, and then after all that, when they could organise themselves in their back half to man up or get an extra play back into the hot spots to, to prevent the Bombers from marking the ball in their forward half, you know, we then failed to identify the key problem in that game, in my opinion, was Josh Caddy. Yeah. Josh Caddy scored four goals in that game and we couldn't slow him down. And you'd think that John Worsford would call a play to tag Caddy after a while just yeah. to kind of, you know, stop his run after a while. But we, you really didn't say that. You saw he was running quite freely after a while. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk about the core reason why the Bombers lost that game, now, in my opinion, it kind of started with Michael Hurley. Okay. If you really think about it, if you look back at that game, the the role of a backman is to yes we know defend the ball, but it's also to you know to look for opportunities in the midfield and start heading the ball up forward. Yeah. But we saw Michael Hurley, and this doesn't really work for me when you chip the ball around into your back half because you're not making up any ground. No. As a matter of fact, you're giving the opposition enough time to get themselves organised and to make sure that you can't proceed forward. M- many times in that gr- in that game, you saw him chip to Matt D, to Cal Hooker, to Ahmed Stard, uh, like in their back half, trying to look for options, trying to switch the play up. When Richmond had multiple players in those hot spots alone, not even uh, not even manned up on their own, just waiting for the ball to come to the area so they can take it back into their heart. Mm. While you had your midfielders, Dyson Havel, Brendan Goddard and a series of other guys standing in the corridor calling out for the ball. Now, I know playing in the corridor is a very big risk, Andrew. It's a mm. very big risk because if you turn it over, you're giving your opposition a prime opportunity to kick the ball into a terrific area where you're front on in front of goal, you know, dead straight in front of goal. But it was a risk that the Bombers didn't take. I don't want to say refused to take, but just all round didn't take. And it was... And that caused them to turn over the ball a series of time and which ended up in Richmond scoring 17 goals for the game. Yeah. And the other thing is, as well is, like you say, uh, the, they were able to get space, Richmond, and Essendon, Essendon felt like they were congested in the back half. The thing is, every single every part of the ground should play like forwards. The defence should play like forwards. They right. should be still... Uh, still be accurate and still be trying to get the ball towards Essendon's goal just because in the defence there's more like I said there's more to being a defender than just tackling and I think there are a lot of players that they put in defence and I don't really know why they were there Kyle Hooker for instance they always seem to put him in the back pocket and I really think he's a goal kicker. He's he's a good mark. Do you think he's developed into a goal kicker? I think he was always a goal kicker. I think he's a goal kicker who's developed into a defensive player. Yeah. And perhaps at a time when we had maybe a few less experience, we had a very young defence with, with Fletcher leaving. A lot of our defenders like your McGrath and your um, <laughs> like McGrath and, uh, and 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 Begley, I think, uh, were probably. Um, I think our, def- our back line was was quite young and experienced. So I think that's why they put Hooker there is so that they had someone with a bit more credence. Yeah. But I think he needs to be up in the forward line. I think our defenders are fantastic. They do a really good job. A team that has Melbourne's uh, offense and 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 Essence defense would be great. Would be the, like the ideal team, in my opinion. And so, to have um, to have no one in the forward fifty yeah. is a real mistake. But don't you think that I, I think we do have individuals up, up forward? But don't you think that with that hooker in that back line, you're lacking you're lacking size? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose. Michael but Hurley, a big body who's you could punch the ball. But you know, I remember when they had that back line, you had Michael Hurley, but it just felt like you had five small, you know, half-back defenders and one big guy, Michael Hurley. Do you think if you put Kyle Hooker out back, 
it does give a little bit more size and a little bit a better contest around a marking contest. Maybe, but I, I think I don't think they. Hurley's not that much of a tall for one. I know Hooker's not that much of a tall. He is tall. But he's, a, he's a big man, though. He's not, he's not an Amo side. No. He's a big man. I think as well, but yeah, I mean, part of the trouble is this means so that they can mark. Um, they can mark. I just think in a marking contest when there's a big pack, you'd want some bigger bodies in there to contest against a, uh, a Hawkins or, or a Jack Rewall or someone, you know, a big, a big tall marking uh, body. Yeah. you got to remember, you know, it was at one time Jake String and Joe Danaher and Kyle Hooker, which is why Kyle Hooker went out back. But yeah. I just think that Kyle Hooker at back, it just gives you a little bit more depth. Maybe, yeah, uh, possibly. I think they've got enough depth in the in the. I think they should not be so much working on uh, trying to get sort of a good combination of players as much as just. I think they should be working on getting tools in their forward actually, because they because with Jordan and Herrera, you don't have much options. Well, no, no. But I mean, McKernan, although he's not a tall guy, he's a he's a strong mark at the foot. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but at the moment, I think, uh, well, even, look, I mean, uh, we keep going around circles about that. I, in some ways, I just reckon they need some, I, I don't think it really matters anymore who's in the forward 50. I know I'm defending moving Cal Hooker up, but I don't, I think tall or small, certainly in some cases, the tall or small thing works and makes, need, uh, like, is, is, is vital. But I think that's more for a sort of tinkering with a side that you've already got. At the moment, Essence forward is just literally non-existent. I don't think they actually, the, the only time there was actually a forward at Essendon was for the either at the very start of a you know before a bounce up at the start of play and then as soon as the play began all of them just dispersed mm. and one of the few times we got a goal for the rest of the game there was no forward I mean, and uh, you got the sense that the players didn't really know what they were what they were supposed to be doing which mm. maybe wonders if there's some issues with the coaching I mean I do understand I'm, I'm not sure if the issue about the, the coaching because I don't know what happens in that box but um Pardon me, but uh, if I was watching North Melbourne play on the weekend, and what was the difference between North Melbourne and Essendon is when Essendon cracked under the pressure, you'd see them, everyone just around the ball and try to hand pass to each other. But when I was watching North Melbourne, they always had someone up forward. Yeah. And it wasn't always Ben Brown who was Ben Brown's the key forward because Ben Brown would push up like, higher up the field to do a contested mark to free it up. But it was yeah. like Jack Zebel. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't a big forward, but it's someone up there. Yeah. So, you know, you, you got to think to yourself, who's going to be that player? McKernan could be that person. Yeah. Because he isn't a, he isn't a strong... Um, he isn't, you know, a big key forward like a Ben Brown. No. But he's a, he's a strong market to ball. Or Jake Stringer. Yeah. But Jake Stringer would want him in the midfield. But you need someone in that position. And I just think it's, you know, it's just something that the Bombers, is, they, they have to start trusting themselves into what I said early in the show kicking through the middle, running through the corridor if you need yeah, be. Yeah. But also you don't need twenty you don't need eighteen players around the ball. No, no, exactly. No. And you need to trust him in field. You need to trust Merritt, you need to trust Heppel. Yeah. I know Zaharakis is out, but you know, trust Zaharakis, trust Goddard. In you know, they can take care of the footy, but you know, I just think that they don't really trust each other at the moment and it's because of that that they are cracking under the pressure as a team. Yeah. And it's frustrating. You can see the frustration on on the faces of Merritt and Tim and Woody and people like that. Yeah. And Saad and the Smalls who are able to get it down to the whose job it is and do a good job of getting it down to the forward line of going all that way and then finding there's no one to kick it to. And I, I can count it, I counted three times during the game when one of the Essendon players had a panic and under under pressure. And granted, as we said before, Richmond's pressure is extraordinary, but it's not they should be able to overcome any kind of pressure. Yeah. They would kick it down into the 50 and there was no one there and the ball would just roll across the ground towards the goal but ne- not clearly short of the mark. Mm. And then Richmond, because they were always first at the ball, would just go and pick it up, pluck it up, kick it back down, they were in possession and they'd usually get a goal. They, they, that, that's totally unacceptable. There always needs to be a person who's able to get those easy goals that every other team in the league would have someone there to, to get a goal that was that easy. It, yeah. was, it was like missing from... 
from the it was like missing from the goal square. It was such a rookie mistake and such an easy. All they need is one player. They're they're, clear, they're not really winning. I mean, their possession, their contests, the contests are, their contests are fine. They're, when they do, they contest the possession statistically. They got more clearances and had more stoppages than uh, than Richmond, and they were able to um, and, they, and and more contested possessions. So I don't think they I don't think they've got any trouble in, in context. Contest, like I say, I think they don't need I, I don't think they need to be crowding 15 players around the ball all the time. They could afford to have one less person mm. who's just up there at the end to, to ferry it through. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's talk about now. We're players. not supporters that blame everything on the umpires, but there was a couple of calls in that game that were, I like to call them controversial. Because yeah. You know the the how the game is played has been up for debate for a couple of years now because they have changed the rules so much. There was yeah. two instances I want to talk about: yep. the Rams incident with McKernan and the Hurley and I think it was Dustin Martin incident. Let's oh, start yeah. with the Rams incident because that is a big one. Now, uh, uh, Rams has been kind of under scrutiny in the last couple uh, games for being, you know, people like to say a stager. Yeah, uh, takes a dive every now and again. Now people are saying now. It was one on one in the fifty uh, with McKernan and uh, Rance, and then McKernan took a contested mark, but Rance took a quite a large dive, yeah. and it was called pushing the back. And yeah. a lot of people are arguing this lately: of was it pushing the back? Did the umpire make the right call? A lot of commentators and a lot of journalists in the game are saying that the umpire may have not made the right call, and maybe shouldn't have, uh, you know, handed that free out, considering Rance's history. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion? Do you think it was a push in the, Do you think that you should have called it a push in the back, or do you think it should have been play on? I uh, I think it should have been. I think uh, look. I think when you're in, in doubt, always play on. Yeah. Never never penalise something when it's sort of when you when the umpire's unsure. I think the umpire should only call it when it's absolutely certain yeah. that it was something wrong. Because otherwise you end up with situations like these, and I mean it wouldn't have mattered in this game because the, the <laughs> Richard were clearly going to win either way. Yeah. I think what was more infuriating was Hurley's uh, deliberate f- uh, rush, because that yeah. uh, the I whole deliberate. Was, Laverde. was that Laverde? Was it? Might have been actually. Yeah. One, uh, yeah. That's might have been Laverde. There was three calls. Yeah. Thing, it was a little bit controversial. Yeah. yeah. And we'll stick to the Rance one for now. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Rance. Yeah. I, I didn't really see the Rance one, but I think it's. What, and you, so you're suggesting it should have been. It shouldn't have been a free kick. Here's my issue with the game today is that they've changed the rules and modified it and tweaked it so much. There's there's, um, there's an unbelievable. I saw this to leave yesterday. We were talking over the, uh, the phone about the game in general. Yeah. Our phones in Townsville. Yeah. So, yeah. I said to Liam, I'm like, mate, there is, there is so many loopholes. It feels like yeah. in today's game that you can get away with so much and you can tweak the rules how you please. I'm not sure what the rule is today. It used to have just been pushing the back. It used to, I remember the rule being it has yeah. been an extended arm push into the yeah. back. It would be called pushing yeah. back. And then, and when I saw McKernan, I saw he had one hand on his side by the looks of it, but took a two-handed mark, but Rand didn't take a large kind of dive onto the ground. Yeah. And it was called a pushing back. And that's where everyone's arguing. They're saying, if, you didn't, if you're aware of Rance's history and yeah. the dive was as... I don't want to say dramatic, but as over the top as it was, yeah, it should have been called a push in the back, and it was called a push in the back. Yeah. So you know, maybe we yeah. should take a look at the rules, and maybe we should know clearly what the rules are because I'm a little bit confused yeah. at the moment. It should be exactly. I can remember when it used to be. Yeah. It, anything that wasn't just like a push to get a push in the back, they had to actually physically shove. It used or, to be an extended arm. Yeah. Yeah. Or to, to push them out of the way of a mark, usually. Whereas now it just seems like touching the back in any way. Yeah. If players will go to spear tackle and their their chest bumps into the opposition's back, mm-hmm. then that's counted. And look, I, I must confess, the umpire and I thought was as stupid as it always is. Well, I thought it was. I thought it was a bit poor. Mm-hmm. I wasn't angry uh, in a biased sense. I thought they. I thought Essen got a few free kicks that were probably a bit scrutin, a bit 
uh, scrupulous, unscrupulous as well. But I think the big problem with the umpire in, in this sense is, and this is probably the case of all the matches, is that it was just too much over... Uh, it was over umpiring. There was too much umpiring going on. They're making calls. Uh, do you, we can, let's move on to the one about the... Uh, was it Levert? I thought it was I, Hurley. I think it was Levert, eh? Who did the... Um, who, the, the, the double punch into the... We punch, yeah, he punched it through for yeah. like it was yeah, and they'd um, they'd yeah, it was in Richmond's fifty, wasn't yeah. it? And that was he was about probably two or three meters out. Now I guess on the one hand, on one hand, there was absolutely no doubt that he intended to rush it. Yeah. But I think this whole rush behind thing is stupid because it's not like you get any strategic advantage. I think yeah. the the, advan- the strategic advantage of getting the ball in the by as in as in kicking out from behind, yeah. that advantage is sort of weighted because you've got. The, the opposition gets a behind, so it's like a it's a it's an exchange. It's a, it's a it's not really an advantage as much as just a strategy. Yeah. That you that you give you give up a behind in exchange for just not risking a goal. Yes. I don't there think was, there was a time when plays be thirty meters out to yeah. get into their opposition's goal just to get away from. Yeah, them. yeah, and I like I think I mean that's like, and it's not like you know granted you get the ball, but you also get. The, all the other players are also re, uh, set up in such a way that it makes it difficult for the other player to, for that for you to get it out, mm. as as it is. And so, I mean, it's uh, like they're delivered out of bounds. As much as I think that is overused, mm-hmm. I still can sort of see the logic behind that because it, I mean, you do. There, if you were to put it, there are times when getting the ball out of bounds is actually beneficial to you when you can just slow it down, particularly when your players are already in the ground. So just having a quick throw would actually be more useful. Yeah. Or, uh, or the, sorry, the other way around. When your players still need to catch up, getting get, giving them a chance, to, a stoppage to get that to happen would be useful. But the rush behind, it's not an advantage. It's just a, it's a, what you decide to do. You'd rather just cash your chips than take the risk of of getting up the other end. Mm. So I think that was ridiculous, and that was and particularly as well. I mean, it was sort of like he was under pressure, and you know, it was deliberately pushing out of bounds, but it was deliberate rush. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think anyone, I don't know what else he could have done. If he, he could have pushed it towards the boundary line, that would have been deliberate bound. That would have been deliberate out yeah. of bounds, or he could have uh, pushed it to one of the many Essen, Richmond players who were right there, or he could have held the ball and got tackled. So I think he was out of options. I think that was a very harsh and unfair. If, if, call. Like I said before, it is very confusing because I mean, if he was not under pressure and he did punch the ball in from a couple of meters out, it would have been deliberate because he wasn't under pressure. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is, it was a tight situation. Yeah. It was it was amped up quite a bit. And then he was like the third man up in that situation and just stuck his fist out there and got his, his hand yeah. in the fist and became behind. So, I mean, I can see both sides, but we, I think that, you know, he could have marked it. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of questioning, you know, what is the rule? I want to now move on to the Dustin Martin and Michael Hurley incident. I didn't really see this one, but I'll, yeah. Yeah, it was called the holding, holding the man. This is, this is what kind of piqued my interest. It was a one-on-one contest in the, mid, in the forward line. Yeah. The ball comes in, and now Dustin Martin goes to ground, but he's tugging on Michael Hurley's shirt, mm. and then Michael Hurley was able to break free and take oh, the Oh, yes, mark. that one. Now, here's my interest. I didn't, it's a very... I know Dustin Martin went to ground first, but it's very obvious that he's grabbing Michael Hurley's jersey. Yeah. But at the same time, you didn't really... There wasn't enough to see that Michael Hurley was either forcing Dustin Martin down or was holding his jersey either. That's what's kind of got me confused now. I mean, is that a... I mean, is that a hold... Now, I talked to Liam about this, and Liam said to me that um, there was some sort of, you know incident where Alistair Clarkson had to talk to the CEO of the AFL or the umpire or something like that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know the full story. But he said now the 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 issue with now is that mm. the, the man, the forward half, if it was a double pulling, 
it may end up that the man in the forward half would get the advantage. Yeah. And then we all made a joke about, oh, you can't touch your opponents anymore, which is how we feel about the game today. But, I mean, you know, I think we need a clarification by the AFL and by the umpires of what the rules are because it's... it's it's, it's, it's starting to get very confusing to me on what we can do, what we can't do. Because what I thought I saw mm. was Dustin Money tugging on Michael Hurley's jersey while yeah. he went to ground. Yeah. While Michael Hurley was... He had his hands on Dustin Money, but you need to have your hands on your opponents yeah. to get yourself into a good exactly, position. Yeah. But I don't know if it was... If I would classify that as horrid man, if the man got, slipping over going to ground was pulling down the opponent with him. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I actually thought it was a free kick to Essendon for yeah, da- Dustin Martin, Martin holding the man. And I'm not sure. I'm just very confused about the game at the yeah. moment and what are the rules and what yeah. are the rules. I think, I think, yeah, I think it comes back to the overarm point because that was probably a call where, like, if you look at it, okay, yes... In hindsight, it sort of could be in some weird universe construed as holding the man, but then, like you say, Dusty was also holding the man, so they're both in the wrong. But the umpire was about probably, I think, 30 metres away at the time. He was nowhere near it. The goal umpire was not really watching what was happening, and they were still probably about 20 metres away. So there wasn't actually an umpire close. And why they decided to call that, particularly when it was such a dangerous position, people say, oh, you shouldn't really, you know, the context doesn't really mean anything. They shouldn't, you know, there's no reason why they should give someone a goal just because they're losing or they should, you know, they should not, they should give a free kick to people if they're losing, I should give a free kick. But, but the umpires have a job to control the match, not just the individual free kicks, but they also have a responsibility to make sure there's nothing unfair happening in the match. Mm. And I think to make that call when it was right in front of Essendon's, right in front of Richmond's goal, if they're unsure, like it was, it was fairly, uh, fairly, uh, um, what's the, it was fairly debatable, Mm. that free kick. And in, under those circumstances, I think they should have just let it go and see what happened. Because to give it to Richmond in that case was way too dangerous. Uh, just a qu- fun fact about that uh, free kick, and I thought it was when you mentioned Alex Rance. I didn't, well, I wasn't hundred percent sure, so I went and googled it. That was uh, that was actually uh, in, in, after the match. They looked at that. He was actually charged with staging. He was. That, he was charged with staging. That was no longer. That's no longer regarded as a push in the back because. Uh, uh, Rance was Richmond coach Damien Hardwick blah 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 Rance was fined $1,000 for for staging after he exaggerated a push by Essendon forward Sean, Sean McKernan yeah. and I saw the footage of it and if you look closely he could, he did actually leap yeah. so for what it's worth that debate we had about the push in the back at the start it wasn't a push in the back it was the, but again that's, that proves it though the umpires thought it was a push in the back it looked like a push in the back but when you go and review it, it was not. So that shows how little the umpires really know about. Yeah. And I'm not, we're not blaming the umpires. We know they're doing the best they can. Or we're just saying about how much... Pre- we're more criticising the, 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 the AFL and the coaches that put pressure on the umpires to umpire in a certain way, when really I think they should just be told to only umpire, only feel obliged to make calls when they're certain and the rest of the time just to break up fights. And it is a tough. It is a tough gig. I know you do need to take your own initiative. But yeah. I mean, what I heard from, I think it was Kane Corns and a, and a lot of other you know commentaries in the game that was saying they said, if you do know that uh, you know a player does have a history of staging or does have a background of doing it, you know maybe you should be a little bit more harsher on them. Exactly. Yeah. Human eye. Yeah. Everyone, a lot of a lot of people say a lot of people are <coughs> saying you shouldn't like they go especially with Rance's you know, history, he should not have paid that free kick. Yeah. I know it's a tough game to call. It's a tough game to manage with all these rules. And, you know, we're not like yeah. soccer. We're a very large ground. We do doing a lot of eyes on this. Yeah. But, you know, it is, you know, it is but, a yeah. tough game. But, I, I mean, mm. hopefully now in the future it can be tightened up yeah. a bit. I almost, yeah, I almost feel like the umpires are sort of obliged now to report everything. Like they almost get, they kind of feel like they're going to get in trouble if they don't report everything. Yeah. And I think we need to change that mentality. Yeah. Um, before we uh, before we move on from this match, just are there any players that really stood out 
to you. I thought Bell Chambers had a pretty good match. I thought he did. I think Ahmed Sadat has, has not only this match, but an all-round good year. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. played through three. And like I said before, attacking the ball, moving it forward, he's kind of forcing it through. Great player, and I, and I hope that the team can all lift. And I think, you know, I'd love to see what he can do with a great team and yeah. what he can muster. And I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Jake String missed the goal, blah, blah. I don't think Jake String played that bad for a guy no. in midfield. He did okay, and McDonald's Woody. We have a lot of terrific players in this team, which is yeah. why we're always like, oh, you know, why are we doing this bad? But, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can pull up. We may not make finals, but yeah. we can finish the year on a good note. And you get the sense that the players, we ha- you're right, we do have a lot of good players. We've got a good side. They're not that young anymore. They're not that inexperienced anymore. Uh, it's part of the trouble. I think is more not that they've been playing badly as much as they've been playing. They've been put in the wrong position. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think one of the reasons why this match wasn't great was because we had a lot of players that are normally strong that just weren't really with it today. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Fantasia was quiet. He had a lot of kicks at goal, but he missed most of them. Uh, Smith was not was pretty non-existent. Even Hooker, I mean, he took a few good marks, but he wasn't really enough to sort of sway the tide of Richmond. Um, and uh, and Heppel and Langford and uh, Goddard, I think, were all fairly quiet. So that's part of the trouble. Zaharakis was doing well for about five minutes before he was, before he was he taken off. <laughs> yeah. Now, what do, you th- what, what do you make of that? Uh, he's given me out for a couple of weeks. It's yeah. unfortunate, but, I mean, I'd rather that he... he did the proper recovery and got yeah. healthy. And, uh, you know, if you rush an injury, you're going to be injured again. Yeah, exactly. So I just like it if you took your time. And you know what? Now we have to look towards another player to fulfill that position. Yeah. Uh, Travis Collier, I really hope that he's not far along. I know he's no. been injured. Unfortunately, Darcy Parrish is, always, is injured also. Yeah. He played a game in the VFL and uh, I think it was a hamstring or something like that. Yeah. So we do have a long injury list, but, I mean, we do have a strong team waiting in the VFL. And I'm, I'm very confident that we can get anyone to fulfill that position. Yeah. It's, uh, it should be interesting. It's going to be, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, I don't think we're going to miss, like, there's nothing against Zahra because he's a good player, but one nice thing about the team is I don't think there's anyone that, that the players really rely on. It's not like if we lost, if we were, Melbourne loses Max Gorn, then they're in trouble, but I don't, if, if Brisbane loses Shane Beams, that may as well not show up, but yeah. anyway. So, this week, Brisbane in Brisbane. Do you think we have what it takes to give Brisbane their second win? <laughs> oh, I uh, we're playing in Brisbane from Sunday. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll back the Bombers um, to win that game. Brisbane hasn't been a strong side thus far, but I think after you get you know a spanking that you get from the Tigers, you're almost expected to come back and uh, you know with fiery passion be pumped up. So now if the Bombers don't win this next game, you know then I think the entire club is in a bit in serious t- trouble for the season, and someone needs to be held accountable. But, I mean, you know, I don't see why you wouldn't uh, back the Bombers. I think they just had a slump week and they should be back uh, the prior week. Yeah, yeah. I think um, of the last five games, Essendon's won two and Brisbane won... Essendon's won three and Brisbane won two, sorry. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think... I mean, it could go either way. Both teams are fairly evenly matched. Yeah. Brisbane, you get the sense on the rise. They'll be so desperate for a win. Essendon, I think, can are kind of still in this wishy-washy state of trying to... Uh, this confused state. Do you, you, I think that's the word I'd use to describe Essendon. This this year is confused. Mm-hmm. They've got... They're not terrible. They don't have one crucial drawback. There's no sense of... There's not a sense that the team is really plummeting or that they've got no hope. It's just the sense they don't know what to do with the bits they've got. But I'm actually not betting against... I'm not I'm, I'm not getting back on this week, but... Okay. Yeah, I, I think... I'm going to say uh, Bob is by 28. 28, yeah. really? 
I'm going to say Brisbane by 10. Yeah. I think I think we if we can shut down Beams, who's just on a roll at the moment. He got five and three five goals, yeah. in the last game against uh, who were they playing? North Melbourne. North Melbourne, yeah. So if we can shut him down, then we might be a chance. But with him, I don't think. I think they're they're just going to have if they've got the same kind of space in the in the forward fifty that Richmond had. Yeah. I think they might give us a run for our money. So it should be an interesting game to watch. Hopefully, they can get over their little slump. Yeah. Now. I hate to say it, we should do one more quick thing. We should do the fact of the round. Oh, sure, okay. Leave us all on the show, by the way. So, Leave us all on the show. <laughs> so, just, uh, Why not? Typing. Just to Google. This isn't me typing. Gotta... You get this on any other podcast. Let's, you're listening to the typing hour. Oh, that's a good space. <laughs> let's see if they can get... Let's hope that Ashton can get a bit of space... <laughs> this weekend and they can keep control of the ball I think they should shift to a different uh, <laughs> I'm going to put a lot of money on them at the TAB alright um, I completely bugged up my keyboard <laughs> with this search alright um, Essendon uh, match the round we'll cut this bit out for now Alright. Hey, did you know, like, 13 years ago today, Scott Lucas took a goal? You what? He took a goal. Who did? Scott Lucas. Really? These are packed for real. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Yeah, this is it. It was a match for them. What kind of... Du- was it ones or twes? <laughs> 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 In June 23rd, 2002, Scott Lucas took a shit. Alright. Um... Okay, so... Is this one, I guess? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, in round one, 1935, who did Essendon play and who won? What was the question? In 1935, the first round, round one, 1935, who did Essendon play? I'm going to say Melbourne. Yeah, did you know that? I don't know, I'm pretty good at this stuff. You're right, it's Melbourne, yeah. By, I'm going to say 12 points. Oh, no, it was by 50 points. Oh, well, 100, 99 to 100. Essendon got 24-15-159 to Melbourne's 15-9-99. was not that brilliant? Wasn't that the no, days? That and they had an attendance of 15,617 at the G, which for 1935 was pretty good. <laughs> so isn't that, remember the days when, when most of the MC... Actually, it was a pretty good crowd. I'll say that much about the other day. Yeah. It was, it was what? I think it got to 80, at least 80,000, yeah, didn't it? Should it should be, yeah. Felt busy. And yeah, so that was, that was, 20, that was a time when we got 24 goals. And 15 points in one match. Oh, I think. Th- yep, definitely we can. We can. Good luck to everyone else. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash flying up podcast and go to, uh, go to. I don't think we've got a Twitter page, so you can go to Twitter. There's some great stuff on there, yeah. but not flying up. It's <laughs> 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 yeah. so Neil Collett guy. He's really good. Parks and Rec. Carlton Football Club on Twitter. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't forget to like Brisbane on Twitter. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll, uh, don't forget to follow Zaharakis. <laughs> not on Twitter, just, you know. Follow him. <laughs> His um, address is 132. <laughs> so, yeah, he's out and about. He won't be at the game, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry to all those who like our VFL segments, and we'll, we'll, Liam will be back next week, and he'll he will be able to do a pool VFL, uh, VFLW, and esports and wheelchair wheelchair footy and all that yeah. uh, when we get back. Thank you, and have a good week. And don't forget to fly up. I think you should keep that.